This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Good, good. I didn't think you'd be very good. There was a Swans loss last night. There was, there was. That was uh, not very good, but, you know, there was some moments. There were some some moments. moments. Buddy kicked a good goal. He did. Blakey, Blakey did some good things. Uh, you know, Parker, Haney, Pathley, like, you know, some of the players played well, but it might be a long year for me. I might get sadder and sadder as the podcast goes <laughs> oh. through the year. Oh, no. <laughs> Watch this space. To, to be fair, though, given your uh, your Essendon Bombers performance in round one, this whole podcast might be getting sadder and sadder as well. <laughs> I know, mate. It's... If we don't beat Saints t- today, yeah, it's I might stop watching football, retire from it, supporting Essendon. Yeah, well, that will mean more time for the podcast, I guess. This so, is true. This is true. Silver, silver lining. Yeah, silver lining. <laughs> All right, Ren. Well, today's episode is what's hot, what's not. Check in on our trades for the last week in Australia's next top trader. Uh, give a bit of an update on on the markets in the US, how they've been performing over the last seven days or so, five days, and one big announcement with uh, an IPO that went live last night, Australia time. So you can update us on that. Yep. And then we check in with Matt and Tian. Uh, Tian's a university student at the University of Sydney, just to get a bit of a case study on what uh, he's doing in his trading for Australia's Next Top Trader, which uh, was a, a good chat to get some insight into, uh, I guess, a, a more amateur approach rather than a, you know the expert from, from Matt. Uh, which was a nice, refreshing change. So uh, let's get stuck in. Yeah. Now, before we do, we should just say for people who are expecting another week of Next Top Trader episodes, uh, this that that's it. We're um th- we're going to be doing the Monday updates, which you're listening to now, but no more uh, daily podcasts. Hopefully, we've given you enough information to have a red hot crack at the rest of this trading competition. Uh, hopefully, you can try and win your way to New York. But for us, it's going to be back to a more regular schedule. We're going to, what are we going to do Monday and Friday? Is that the plan? We'll give it a shot. Yep. Yep. Bringing more content to the people. If you don't see podcasts on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week, it's not a problem with your feed. It's, uh, 
more sustainable level of podcasting from the two of us from here on in. Yeah, nice one, Ren. Back to back to normal equity mate stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, U.S. markets. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, interesting little pointers. Um, what, do you want to do? You want to kick it off from your side? Yeah, sure. So uh, probably the big headline at the end of this week is uh, the S and P five hundred, the index of the five hundred biggest U.S. stocks, had the best quarter since two thousand and nine. So in the last ten years, you saw my headline. <laughs> oh, oh, mate, come on, that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty obvious starting point, really. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have let me start if you wanted to say that. Damn, damn it! You weren't. It's not like you were going to surprise anyone with that. I've got nothing now. Oh, okay, that's fine, mate. You had nothing before, anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep going. Okay, so um, obviously the end of 2018 for those following the US market was pretty rocky. It uh, fell a lot. Bryce was absolutely loving it, um, <laughs> but the the markets really rebounded. And Q1 quarter one 2019 has seen a 13.1 percent increase in the S and P 500. So uh, you'd be pretty happy with that. Um, and it's the best since the market was coming out of the GFC in 2009. So that's the uh, that's the framing for the quarter that we've just seen. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next quarter, but we'll, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later. Um, for the actual week, S and P 500 up 1.2 percent, uh, and the Nasdaq up 1.1 percent. Um, the Nasdaq actually for the quarter was up 16.5%. So if you were invested in the US market in uh, the start of 2019, you'd be uh, you'd be pretty happy. You would uh, you'd have made a bit of money. Absolutely. Now, Ren, on the 24th of December, you said that you were going to going to buy into the US markets. Uh, you thought it was a good opportunity, and look what they've done since. They've yeah, absolutely. The, you're the oracle. <laughs> I'm the. I was trying to think of an alliteration there. I'm the oracle of. Um, Australia, but spelt with an O. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize the Nasdaq was sixteen percent. That's a that's a huge um, quarter for for the Nasdaq. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next sort of over the next quarter, I guess. Another a headline for me, Ren. Something that I enjoy following uh, is oil. Yeah, this was. I knew you were going to talk about this one. <laughs> so you've so, taken one from me. I've taken one from you. It's okay. Okay. So oil. Um, has closed above 60 bucks for the first time since November. So it's also had its best quarter since 2009 um, due to, I guess, the reduction in supplies coming from, I think it's Siberia um, and also... Um, you know, to do with the U.S. shale, so it's yeah, had a yeah. V- yeah, it's had a very strong um, strong quarter as well as the uh, Nasdaq and S and P. Uh, so if you had managed to buy into one of my little favorites, uh, Oil U O I L U, uh, it's a leveraged <laughs> leveraged oil ETF. Uh, in November, you would have made some pretty decent returns as well. So um, that's that's my headline. Yeah, good good call if you picked oil. And- yeah. Probably, uh, probably worth uh, giving a shout out to our sometimes equity mates contributor, at least behind the scenes, Alf, who uh, did pick uh, oil ETF and backed it in, and uh, um, he's been crowing about it privately. So we'll give him a little <laughs> shout out here. He has been, but he's also he also got in on one of the stocks that we discussed at the start of the competition round called Can Trust Holdings (CTST), and unfortunately, he didn't put a stop loss in um, in on that stock, and it reported two days ago on Thursday. Um, and I won't reveal just yet 
how much it dropped, but I'll just tell you what the report was. So they're involved in the cannabis sector and the company swung to a much wider than expected fourth quarter loss and revenue came up well short. It also provided a downbeat revenue outlook for the first quarter, citing production bottlenecks. So this report came out and unfortunately it got slammed 20%. Uh, on Thursday, and then it got slammed another five percent last night. So, Jeez, <laughs> yeah. There you so go. hopefully, hopefully, yeah, I know. Hopefully, he got out of that, but uh, he he definitely uh, got hit with the with the twenty percent. So while oil's doing well for him, mm, unfortunately. Now another interesting thing that I was uh, watching this morning, Ren. Uh, it was just a random fund manager over in the states giving his uh, opinion on a few things. A market update on Bloomberg. Um, you know how they have all those videos and. Uh, he was asked, you know, what what is your suggestion for capital allocation at the moment in equities? Uh, and it was interesting. He said that he he is recommending going very overweight in emerging markets at the moment, but not in trade heavy, uh, you know, northern Asia countries such as Taiwan and Korea because of the global trade cycle at the moment. I didn't realize, but he said that global trade volumes uh, for two consecutive year on year at the moment is in decline and this is the first time since the GFC that that's happened and uh, he was saying that you he would be putting money in emerging uh, markets such as India and some other smaller parts of Asia where their growth is coming from uh, more domestic uh, consumption and whatnot rather than relying on on global trade because uh, it's in year-on-year decline so I found that rather interesting yeah, nice. I um, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I listened to an old um Patrick O'Shaughnessy podcast episode. Um, oh yeah. Uh, invest like the best, and he interviewed the uh the author of this book, uh, the Absent Superpower, that talks about how um the U.S. have sort of upheld uh global trade with their navy since the end of World War Two, and how even before Trump, there was a growing reluctance to continue to maintain the sort of um you know free and open shipping lanes and stuff like that i i don't know how much i agreed with all of his what he was saying but it was an interesting one and it's interesting that you're sort of saying the same thing or you're hearing the same thing from a from a fund manager um there you go anyway that's a that's a tangent that we could uh we could go deep in that rabbit hole but um let's let's stick to let's stick to what happened last week um yeah so other other big news, and then we can let's go into some more company specifics if, if you have it. But I think it's probably important to frame the big stuff that happened. So uh, as we we talked about the the market in general and how it moved and how it had the best quarter since two thousand and nine. How oil had a really strong quarter as well on the back of uh, thinning supplies. I think another big headline. There's probably two more big headlines from my perspective. Another one is around the U.S. and China's trade talks. So the deal seems to be progressing well, and the market obviously is feeling confident because China had a really good week. So the Shanghai Composite Index was up 3.2 percent, and and the Shenzhen Composite Composite Index was up 3.4 percent. So the Chinese market obviously responding well to the trade talks, um, and then the other big picture thing i think that's worth noting is that uh the 10-year u.s government bond um yield is at 2.4 percent which is uh near a 15 year sorry a 15 month low the yield is basically how much interest the government pays you if you buy their debt as the price of a bond goes up so as demand for the bond goes up the yield goes down 
what you need to know don't don't worry too much about how bond pricing works but what you need to know is that it seems like a lot of investors are putting their money in bonds which is a traditional safe haven asset so potentially people are looking at the really good quarter that's happened uh, and then they're looking at things like the yield curve inverting and oil uh, getting more expensive and they're saying might be a good time to put our money in a safer asset which is uh, 10-year treasury bonds maybe <laughs> maybe a lot is going into cash as well ren we can't uh can't skim over that yeah are you just gonna leave that hanging or you got uh <laughs> yeah i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> okay <laughs> all right we'll uh tune in next week to hear bryce explain how he knows and how much is going into cash that's a good cliffhanger i like uh... it Okay, so let's leave it at that. I will, I will endeavour to uh, dig deeper into that next week. Um, <laughs> always good to leave a cliffhanger. So yeah, let's, yeah, talk, yeah. let's talk company specifics then. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, no changes to my portfolio over the last week for the competition. Um, well, that's actually not true. There was a change to my portfolio. I got uh, stopped out of one of my stocks. Uh, I was long um, IIPR, Industrial Properties. Um, in it's part of the weed sector. Um, it actually reported on Tuesday, I think it was, and it had a very good report, um, great sort of longer term potential. I'm going to buy back into it from a personal standpoint, but I had a stop loss on it and it's quite a volatile stock. And unfortunately, my stop loss was uh, too thin and the volatility of the stock meant that um, you know it dropped during the day and, and stopped me out. So uh, luckily, it wasn't too much of a loss and uh, I'll probably buy back into it, to be honest, because I still think it's a, a good stock longer term. Uh, I'm still in ProShares Ultra Pro QQQ, so that's long long NASDAQ ETF. And I'm also ProShares Ultra Pro Russell 2000, which is the bottom 2000 stocks on the, on the Russell. Uh, it's not performing so well. It's, they're getting hit a little bit harder than the, the top 1000, but I'm going to stay in that as well. So two ETFs for me. Uh, pretty boring. How's your portfolio going, Ren? Uh, so my uh, portfolio isn't doing that well. I uh, had a pretty quiet week. Same, similar to you, I got stopped out of some of my positions. I um, I moved my uh, stop loss in Activision Blizzard up part above my buying price and it got stopped out. And then I didn't really do anything with it um, since then. Um, and then my other major stock, Dell, I, it's sort of just traded flat and I haven't done anything with it. The reason being that uh, there was a big IPO on Friday that I was going to put all my eggs in that basket <laughs> and um, and go go all in and uh, hopefully ride it to uh, at least beating you, probably not winning the competition, but um, all I really care about is beating you. So <laughs> <laughs> I set my alarm for 12.20 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning, Friday night, uh, just before U.S. markets opened, because I thought uh, I'll I'll won't tell anyone, I won't tell Bryce about it, and I'll uh, get the good great movement on the first day. Uh, so wake up, turn my alarm off, uh, quickly uh, check on, uh, get onto stake, and uh, it's not there, which was uh, disappointing. <laughs> the, <laughs> it is now, but it wasn't there when markets opened. So uh, that means we, uh, well, I missed out on uh, making the trade. The, the company that I'm talking about is Lyft. For people who haven't been uh, to the States, because Lyft doesn't operate in Australia, but uh, it's basically Uber's rival in ride-sharing, and it uh, went public on Friday morning US time. Uh, had a 
interesting open. Uh, it, Pre-IPO, its price was $72. Um, it opened at $87, so up 20% Whoa. straight away. Yeah. So um, that means if you got in, if you subscribed before the IPO or if you're a shareholder before the IPO, uh, you would have, and then the stock started trading, you would have made that 20%. But if we were just trying to buy in, we probably would have only got in at that $87 mark. So maybe I dodged a bullet. But um, yeah, opened up about 20% and then dropped down a little bit. Uh, but Lyft was up 9% on its opening day and that gives it a value of about $25 billion. So Big company. Yeah, big company, big company that loses money every quarter. So yeah. um, we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, especially with uh, not yeah, Uber also IPOing later this year. So yeah, and Uber who will be for, more successful. You reckon? No, I'm I'm saying I'm, it'll be interesting to see who will be more successful. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, so Uber's been given a like a price of about 120 billion dollars. So you know, sort of five times the yeah, five and a half times the size of Lyft. So um it'd be interesting to see what happens damn ren well um you missed that one so that brings us back very even on the leaderboard i'm sitting at 347th uh 1.22 percent down overall and you are sitting at 350th 1.46 percent down so we're neck and neck uh, it's going to be a good tussle for the next three weeks. We certainly need to improve our position. But as we said, we don't want to be sitting at the top of the leaderboard. Unfair for all those playing. So we, well, we're, we're no, happy to no. sit down let's, at the bottom here. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. We would like to be sitting at the top of the leaderboard. Fact of the matter is some of our competitors are just better than us at this. Um, but we never say, you know, we're, we never say we're experts. And if people have listened to enough podcasts, they I'm will not- uh, be well aware that we're not experts. <laughs> You're the oracle of Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, the oracle that uh, stock of the, my stock of the year for 2018 lost about half its value. So <laughs> we sh- we shouldn't even need a disclaimer at the end of our episode because it is so obviously not trading advice. But <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um, but nice anyway, one. we we would like to be higher, but we're not. We're not. Um, We've got some work as, to do. My revised goal is just to beat you, so that's okay. more realistic. Well, at least we're close now, and we can really uh, battle it out over the next three weeks. So we're at the halfway mark now. I've got three weeks to go. Um, congrats to our leader at the moment, Pramesh, who's sitting almost up 40%, which is huge, and then Adrian in second, 25% up. So uh, everyone's top 10 smashing it out. Um, a lot of traders, we've almost got... Yeah, we've got a good, great number of traders and a majority of them are in the green. So that's really positive. Hopefully some people are having a good first experience buying stocks. So um, well done. Um, I guess that's it from me, Ren. Uh, a good wrap up. We'll uh, jump into Matt and Tian now and, and hear what they have to say. Um, for those listening, and we, we recorded with Matt on Friday. So before we recorded this podcast, so you'll hear us talking a bit about um, Lyft and, and some of the things we addressed uh, just then. So... Stay tuned. It's a good uh, insight into Tian and his investing strategy. And anything else from you, Ren? No, that's it. Enjoy. So we're at the halfway mark of Australia's next top trader um, and joined today by Matt, our 
expert trader. And <laughs> Tian. <laughs> <laughs> and Tian, who is uh, a stake intern but also a university student, University of Sydney, uh, he's the whiz who has built out our website. So if you think you should be higher up on the leaderboard, give him a yell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we've got Tian on today uh, to. Uh, I guess talk to him about some of the trades that he's been making um, and where he's sort of found information, that sort of stuff. We've got the expert and uh, now we've got the amateur as well. I think Tian's the expert. <laughs> I wish. So let's just quickly start, Matt. Last time we spoke, uh, I guess we should preface this with it's Friday, so we've still got one day to go on the markets tonight. So uh, last time we spoke, um, the markets were hit pretty hard on uh, Friday and you were looking a bit um, where you're sounding a bit nervous about what yeah. this week would bring. So far, we haven't had anything similar happen. No, I mean, there's been nothing significant. Our markets are still a little bit nervy. Volatility has still remained a little bit high just in terms of what people are expecting, not the actual movement itself. But nothing significant, really. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's another day and a lot can happen in a day. Well, this time last week was when uh, shit hit the fans, so yeah. <laughs> stay tuned tonight. So what we're going to do today is uh, briefly talk about some of the stocks that um, we've been trading, TN as well, and then also look at what some of, what are some of the stocks that our top 10 have been trading. So TN, do you want to give us a bit of an insight into our top 10 traders and some of the companies that I guess they've been trading? So just looking at the, the competitors who are really doing well, um, some of the common trends we see is Aurora Cannabis. Um, uh, that's our leading stock. And um, if we look at the, the chart for that, we see that's... Um, ACB's is code for all those... Yeah, ACB. ACB in front of their computer. <laughs> so I remember week one competitor, James, he finished on top of the leaderboard and he was holding Aurora. Uh, and I think he carried that through to week two. So I'm, I haven't checked in with him to see if he's still holding. But I like the look of it. It gapped up. Beginning of the month, the middle of the month, right? Yeah. It really took a jump up and people probably liquidated. But yeah. It looks like it's hit that level again, right? Yeah. It's um it's come back to the resistance or the support, I suppose, after breaking through. But um awesome. it's done really well for you. Gonna jump on that one? Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so Aurora's still one to watch by the sounds of it. Uh, maybe. And um, one of the more popular in the top ten. Yeah, definitely. Um the other thing we have is T Triple Q. Um which is uh the ProShares Ultra, Ultra Pro ETF. And that's also been really popular with our editors. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, an ETF that gives you triple exposure to the NASDAQ. So you've obviously <laughs> got some tech heads out there. But, uh, no, I okay. mean, that's a. What's. That's. You're just basically making a play on the index, yeah. really. And that's actually one of our only ETFs that the top 10 have been tra- trading, the other one being UVXY. So volatility. Yeah, it's trading volatility. So That had a big jump last week, didn't it? Yeah. 17% on that Friday. Oh, yeah. 17. Yeah, that thing can whip around, right? So yeah. you, could, you could be giving back 10% and you could be up 10% in literally yeah. the blink of an eye. Any obscure stocks in there that you've never heard of that um, are pretty popular amongst the top 10? There was a telecommunications one, wasn't there? Uh, Iridium Communications. Communications. Very popular. That's actually a really popular stock in the top 10. Let's have a look at this chart. IRDM for those listening in. Yeah, it's pretty good. It got hit quite hard on Friday, but... Um, As did everything. Yeah, but I mean, that's that would have been at least... How much is that? It's really at all-time highs, the yeah. level. When it broke through, what, 24 bucks a few yeah. months, like a month ago? Yeah, it's it's not looking bad, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> One to watch. Yeah, the first. <laughs> yeah. 
So we've got. So is this what you do? You buy the shares and then you talk about them on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the university kids can. So ETF, we've got TQQQ. We've got some people uh, favoring weed. Yeah. Matt um, gave the, a tip on that when we first recorded. He thought the industry itself was pretty hot. We've got uh, a telecommunic or a communications sort of stock that's pretty popular. Uh, I'm interested to know: uh, uh, Do we have any of the big hitters in there, such as Amazon, Apple, or our top ten getting growth from uh, lesser-known stocks? Yeah, so we actually have some Apple. We got a couple of trades in Apple and a couple of trades in Tesla, okay. as well as Ford um, Motor Company. Ford. And Microsoft. So I think the four of those are probably our most well-known stocks in the top 10. But in comparison to the rest of traders on stake, the top 10 have actually chosen some of the small cap stocks, um, probably a bit more high risk than most of our traders on stake, um, which might reflect the fact that they don't have huge holdings. But I don't know. It, It really depends. Um, well, in a short yeah. six-week competition, yeah. you'd probably think that that's the way to go. Uh, might, might be the way to go. Amazon's yeah. unlikely to spike for yeah. yeah. Big Apple. You're not going to get to the Big Apple buying Apple right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that the key is this. Um, it just shows you that there's a massive. You can make money on any stock, really. Yeah. I and mean, that's the key here. And, and that's really the lesson for this whole course is that it doesn't matter what stock you pick. There's a million ways to skin a cat, right? So. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's actually really interesting to look at that data and sort of see where people are at. The whole the fact that ETFs aren't popular is really interesting. We yes. have some very volatile ETFs in the US. Yes. Uh, but people actually just want to stick with the single stock stuff. Yeah. More exciting to pick, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Especially on stake where you get leveraged ETFs, which can make a pretty big difference in a short-term gain. Yeah. Yes. I think if the market turns aggressively, we'll see oh, a big shift out of stocks yeah. into these ETFs, and especially coming into that last week. Mm. Yeah, people going, shit, oh, well, I really, I've got a 15% gap here. I'm not going to get it on, uh, you know. It would be interesting to see what the middle group are going, like the, you know, the equity mates of the um, of the competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, middle, middle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, lower um, two-thirds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember after the last competition you did, <laughs> you, were, uh, you were that leader who pushes from behind. <laughs> Uh, good news as well. We're looking at the total leaderboard, and a lot of people are in the green. Yes, and that is a positive sign. Either our lessons are really good, and uh, everyone's <laughs> learning, or the market's or well, their existing stack customers. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> but the good news is, not many people have lost too much money. So I think uh, hopefully there's a lot of beginners there who have made their first trades and are having an enjoyable experience. So um, three weeks to go. So Tan, you're in the comp. Yes. You're also been trading for a while prior to that. Yes. Maths whiz, computer whiz. Um, so I'm guessing your style of investing is more technically based. Uh, yeah, I'd say that. Um, I also, I, I do look at fundamentals and value them in companies. I think uh, using technical screens is quite a good way to time your um, entry and exit into stocks because I've found in the past that even if I do select a company with really good technicals um, and really strong growth and business plan and everything going forward, then if I buy it at a bad time in that stock cycle, it's going to take at least a month or two months to really start going again. And to me, that's really opportunity cost. You know, I've missed out on growth in other stocks, which I could have um, gained on. So at times, a good way for me to do it is I'd Select. I'd go. I use Finviz um, as a stock screener. I'd go in there and do a technical screen. Free? Ah, uh, yes, free. Free to use Finviz.com. I think it's really good for technical screens. And uh, a little tip for stocks on stake: just select the market cap as over three hundred million. 
because we don't really have that many stocks with a market cap smaller than that. So it's a good way to just limit out all the penny stocks that you won't really find on stake. And then from there, I'd find a list of 100 or so companies and just sort of start looking through it, looking at the charts, looking at the fundamentals, other sort of technical indicators like the moving averages, um, maybe what their one-year high is. Mm-hmm. I tend to base a lot of my trades on that as well. Mm-hmm. If it's somewhere close to that, I'll be much more willing to buy than if it isn't. And how long do you spend each day doing this? Is it a daily um, thing? Or? It's probably more of a weekly thing than a daily thing. Um, probably screen once a week, find a few good stocks that I like. Um, if I have some cash available, I'll invest. Otherwise, I just have a look at my portfolio, reassess all my positions and go from there. So I guess one thing as a uni student is you don't have a lot of cash laying around. Yeah. So uh, choosing what to buy and how much to put in, I guess, is yeah. a key factor for you guys. Uh, so how do you determine how much to allocate each time you buy? Is it literally just how much you've got sitting in your bank? <laughs> um, well, I, I try not to buy too small portions of stocks. Like I try to, in my portfolio, not have anything less than one-sixth of my total portfolio value yeah. just because I feel if it's any less than that, it's just going to be too much effort to maintain the balance between like making sure you still want to be in the stock, it's still in a good position, and the gains actually contributing to yeah. your portfolio. So uh, any less than that, I don't really bother. But if one of my stocks is lagging, I just sell and just wait for the next opportunity. And if all my stocks are looking reasonable, I'm just going to wait it out, to be honest. So you're in the top 150 in the comp? 150. (laughs) Could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. You're in the green, right? (laughs) If you don't mind sharing your uh, strategies and I guess the stocks that you're in, how they're performing and what's your thinking over the next three weeks? Sure. Um, Well, in the first week, I actually found a stock which I liked a lot technically. Um, NVTA is the code. I actually don't even know what the name of the stock is, (laughs) (laughs) believe it or not, because I... I based my purchase on a purely technical screen um, and I made about 12, 13% on that in the first week and that's really carried me a little bit. So uh, just quickly backtrack there and and briefly without, uh, I guess, going into too much detail, but when you say you technically screened it, um, what are the indicators that you're looking for on this screen or whatever? Um, So yeah, market cap, I checked that off the list and then going from there, um, I sort of want to find stocks that have some sort of volatility or interest in them, at least, from yeah. some of the bigger players. So I check their weekly volatility is probably above 3% or 4% above what they're normally at. Um, they're not oversold, so I don't really want to see stocks like that. And then I use moving averages a lot. So if it's close to its 20-day and 200-day moving averages, I sort of I am wary. I don't really buy stock under its 200-day moving average, so I like to buy stocks above that. And then in terms of the one-year high, I really like stocks that are either above or like very close to their one-year high. Um, And this stock sort of satisfied all of those categories. And then in terms of volume, when we see a big gap up or a big jump in price, I'd like to see big volume on that day as opposed to no no change in volume because that's just saying that there wasn't many people selling. And yeah, like that sort of trailing trailing volume after that, um, even if it is going down a bit, that's probably just an indicator that some people are exiting the stock. And so this sort of satisfied all those categories and I've got to be lucky. And- nice. So 13% up on that. Yeah. Did you put a stop loss in? Um, I did not actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's actually why I'm not up 18% <laughs> because of um, Friday, last yeah, Friday, uh, a very... 
But you're still in it? Yeah, no, I exited. Okay. I'm out of it. So I sort of cut my losses on Friday. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I don't really have too much uh, commitment in the stock. I've, yeah. I've made my, my gain for the week, so yeah. I'll exit that. Um, just with some uni heating up and that sort of stuff, I thought I'd put my money in some more stable things. <laughs> so, um, and my next purchase, which was Coke, um, Coca-Cola Company. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so wow. it's a bit more stable. But I don't know, if you go and look at this chart, you'll see it's actually a very good chart technically as well. There you go. So, so some a, of the big cap. What's its market cap? Yeah. <laughs> very large. Yeah. Um, I think people forget that a lot of these companies, even though they're large, doesn't mean they stop growing. I think yeah. we're, we're sort of basing it on Australia where the industries are very different. Yeah. yeah. You know, Coastal, in it's very hard to unseat that in terms yeah. of market share. I mean, the share price at the moment is 283. Um, and it's really on quite a nice upward trend. The volume isn't great, which is probably uh, my one sort of thing that I don't love about its technical yeah. look. But otherwise, I'd say for a, a fairly stable company, it's not a bad bet. Um, the thing about it is it's so heavily traded that volumes are really hard indicators to pick. In a stock that's $400 million worth in market cap, if it trades a million on a day, it's enormous. And yeah. A company like Coke, which is billions and millions of dollars yeah, in market nothing. cap, it's really hard to, you know, the trading Gage. volume through it must be enormous each day. Yeah. yeah. And institutional buying and selling. And, and unless there's a specific event, it's really yeah. hard to get a good gauge. So volume's a much better indicator for smaller. Yeah. Um, cap shares because yeah. it really shows that the registers actually changed. Yeah, okay. you need a lot of money to move the market. For yeah, that exactly. one. I mean, Coke is, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't know what the market is, but my guess is it would be, you know, yeah. 50 billion or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Um, but yeah, that's also been going pretty well, and that's up about 10%. And so you're going to just sit on that, see what happens? We sit on that for a little while, see what Warren does, um, <laughs> <laughs> see if he, the Oracle has any tips or um, any new announcements. Is he, an, is he a shareholder? Big time. Yeah, big time, yeah. big time yeah. Coke shareholder. He's been one of his darlings since wow. yeah. way back. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Right, so you're going to remain active over the next three weeks, although uni's heating up a bit, so maybe not as active as yeah. you would like. Yeah. Um, fair enough. And... What's going to be your sort of strategy? Are you going to just continue? Yeah. Um, so um, maybe. Um, so over the last few days, I've actually um, just had my attention drawn a lot to the cloud space. So both cloud computing, cloud gaming. I don't know if you saw the release of Stadia, like Google's cloud oh, yeah, yeah. cloud gaming platform, um, and a few on our stake boss hunting. Um, feature some of the hedge fund managers are actually speaking about Red Hat um, as something they're all interested in buying and I actually did some research into Red Hat and what they did and I very much like them as a business so um, for the next few weeks I might be looking at some more long-term investments doing a bit more research um, and as for trading I'll definitely be looking more at, at ETFs because nice. once you see that spike in volatility it has some jitters yeah. for a, a couple of weeks at least I think yeah. nice. so so do you also invest outside of stake? Um, I have some um, shares in the ASX, yep. but that's more just because they are currently there and I haven't quite moved them across. Um, but yeah, looking f- going forward, I'd probably get most of my, my assets in the US as opposed to the ASX, um, just because the ASX goes nowhere. So yeah, cool. it's tough. 
Well, that's uh, a great insight into your sort of last three weeks. So uh, appreciate that. Um, Matt, let's just circle back on some of the stocks that um, we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. So let's start with CanStar. It was going reasonably... CanTrust. Sorry, CanTrust, not CanStar. Uh, yeah, so let's start with Can Trust Holdings. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, um, right at the first episode of What's Hot, What's Not. Mm. It was doing well. I think it had IPO'd uh, a little bit before we spoke, uh, and it reported, I think, a few days ago, and last night... Uh, got walloped. Got walloped, yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, got a bad report. I actually haven't even looked at the report. I owned a small amount of it and woke up to it. Nasty shock. It was actually a text message from a mate. <laughs> but he's the one that told me to have a look at it. So right. it wasn't, I think it was nearly an apology. I don't want to make my own decisions. I live with the outcome. So yeah. it dropped 20%. Did you have a stop on it? Oh, I didn't actually, no. Oh, it was a very small little flutter I had. Right. It was, um, it was a couple of hundred dollars. Just, um, okay. And... Yeah, this is more just to appease my friend than I was Say that you're in it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just one of those ones. I still, you know, I think I want to see what happens next. Generally, when a report's like that, you want to jump out. Broken through, stop loss, don't ask any questions. Yeah. So might yeah. probably end up selling it out tonight. There's yeah. plenty of other good opportunities. So from a reporting perspective, uh, just to give some insight for those interested, it says that uh, the company swung to a much wider than expected fourth quarter loss and revenue came well short. Um, the... Ontario-based medical and recreational cannabis company also provided a downbeat revenue outlook for the first quarter, citing production bottlenecks. Yeah, that's not good, is it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful reading the news, but the selling's clearly come back in and people don't want to stick around and yeah. just want to take your losses and move on quickly and there's yeah. plenty of other fish in the sea when it comes to investing, so don't justify that it's going to turn around if you don't really have a good reason. I think it will. So tonight, Friday, is um, IPO for Lyft. Yeah, massive. Big. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know, Lyft is a uh, ride-sharing service in the States. Yeah, it's very much competitive with Uber. Competitive with Uber, and it's the first of many big IPOs this year. Um, I think they're going to be coming in at $72 a share, valuing themselves at $24 billion. Mm. So this means that next top trader players can invest in mm. Lyft if they want to. That's, a vol- that's going to be volatile. What do you think? On. Yeah. I mean, look, I've got no idea about the business. I mean, I know what it is. It's um, The impact for the market's a lot bigger more because Uber's going to be IPOing this yeah. year. I think that's really where the intrigue is. Lyft is, you know, for Australians and people outside America, Lyft isn't a massive business, but its implications on how what Uber does with its own listing is going to be really interesting. Uh, from a trading perspective, look, these things are crazy when they list. Um, you've got to be prepared to, for a lot of volatility. Um, to have a value on this business is really hard from day one. It's going to move around four, five, six percent. Who knows? Mm. Um, if I was, if I wanted to if take money, if I had money, on, I'd wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just want to wait till the dust settles. Yeah. Um, yeah, you may be able to get a really nice fill by just lowballing it, but who knows where this thing ends up in two to three days' time. Uh, generally, you want to be, if you really believe in the long term prospects of the business, then you're not really too concerned. Yeah. But you may as well buy it two or three days later once the volatility settles settled down. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Um, also, yeah, keen to see what happens with Uber. I think Airbnb are thinking of doing something this year. Yeah, so there's been some massive announcements in the last couple of months for mm-hmm. those who are interested in the IPO space. I mean, a lot of companies, if you bought them at IPO and stuck around, like if you bought them at the close of the first day of trade, the second day of trade, you would have made a fortune on some yeah. iconic companies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so some people look at that and that's their investment strategy, great. But there's been some really iconic names sort of in the Silicon Valley space that have said they're going to list. So Zoom's filed. 
So Zoom is um, web yeah. uh, conferencing, and that's filed for IPO. Pinterest. Oh, really? Also filed for IPO. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. Um, Stripe's talking about it, you know, the credit card company. Yeah. Um, yeah. Irish, but now based in the US. Um, Airbnb's been sort of talking about it for a while, uh, which is obviously going to be a really, really big one as yeah. well. And Slack as well has been wow. on notice that they may be IPO. So some pretty well-known household names there. Yeah, especially for the listeners here that yeah, we know what exactly. they are. Um, these are game-changing companies. So yeah, that's why this lift ones are really interesting to see how people respond to these new breed of IPOs coming out. Yeah, yeah. Now, last week we talked about Ulta, the salon mm. that you kept walking past. Never <laughs> <laughs> in. And since then, it seems to be doing pretty well. ULTA is the uh, ticker for it. Um, you're having a look at it over lunch and still pretty keen on that one. Yeah, no, that looks like it's performing as you would hope if you're in it. Danaher. Danaher. All the bombers were very good on the weekend. They probably need a bit of Danaher, I think. Yeah. He's injured, right? He so. is injured. Uh, and then we spoke about, well, we don't have to go No, Danaher's, I mean, I think what happened over the last few weeks is the those shares that have moved up, they've just sort of sitting in a bit of a range. Yeah. Alta's the only one that's continued on its upward trajectory. The other ones are sort of consolidating across. Way too early to make a call. You definitely wouldn't have been knocked out of your investment yet if you're in it, unless you had a ridiculously tight yeah. stop loss, yeah. which I don't suggest you do. You want to give it some wiggle room. Yeah. So you're probably still, if you, if you had bought those when we spoke on Monday last week, you'd probably still be in them. Um, they may have just gone sideways, but they've got a, the strength is generally to the upside on these stocks. So you're going to have, if you stick around and you manage your risk right, you should be okay. And then we had Tandem Diabetes and IIPR, both um, I think IIPR is trending down a little since we last spoke about it um, yeah. two or three weeks ago. Yeah, so Tandem, I'll talk about that one first. Yeah. TNDM. TMDM, yes. Yeah, so you've got to look at this one over a longer period. It's gapped up about a month ago and it sort of gapped up to around the $60 range. Uh, there was the end of February. And it's really just, as I said, it's sort of sitting back at that level where it gapped. And a gap is a real sign of strength where it yeah. moves up on really big volume to a new level and that becomes a new level of support and it's sitting right on that. So as I said, it's sort of consolidated sideways. Not overly concerned right now. I just want to continue to check what that is. Um, yeah, that's didn't continue to go higher, but this is a pretty volatile stock. It's like sort of trading in a range between like 62 and 74 bucks. So that's a $12 range, which is pretty high. It's, for, it's like a 20% range. So it is a volatile stock. So your stop losses need to reflect the volatility of the stock. You can't have them super tight. For a super volatile stock, if you have your stop losses too tight, it's going to whipsaw in and out. So you want to give it some wiggle room. So you want to take your stop losses need to be a measure of that volatility. A little bit like Tian said, he likes to go for volatile stocks. He wants to make sure that his stop losses reflect the volatility of that stock. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Just, there's no point. You're just going to be knocked out. You don't have any chance to prove if you're going to make or lose money on that. It's happened to me many times. <laughs> you I wake up and you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have a stop loss in there, but it needs to reflect the volatility of the stock. Yeah. So your tandem's going sideways, but you know, after a big move up, these things consolidate, so that's pretty normal. And double IPR, let's get that one up. I haven't had a close look at that one. So uh, I, was, I was doing some reading on this one uh, recently because they also reported... Um, and I think they reported on the 26th, so a few days ago, uh, and very positive long-term uh, outlook for this company um, as a, as a, a long-term play. Um, there's a lot of chat out there that they're strong balance sheet and putting themselves in a very good position. I don't know what the chart looks like. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's um, consolidating yeah. again. This is what you want. You want to stop moving up fast, moving sideways and going again. It's pretty much a consistent pattern. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, if things run up too fast, too quickly, that's problematic sometimes. It becomes, don't go to the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll go up, it'll go to the side, it'll consolidate. Yeah. Those that 
you know, the sellers will start to disappear over time and then more buyers will come in. And that's what seems to be happening here. So, um, yeah, I haven't read it as deeply as you, but... Oh, I was yeah. doing research for this and because um, I didn't really know much about it. Yeah, no, it's an interesting company. It's more actually, it's got an interesting business model. Yeah. It actually sort of leases out the, the, yeah, the land, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, a good space. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, as I said, just sort of sticking around and happy to stay long that one. Nice. Well, I think that's a good wrap of the last three weeks. Um, halfway into the competition, another three weeks to go. This is where the money can be made. Um, money can always be made. <laughs> people should start really focusing on New York. All of our content is now out, so we'll just be checking back in um, on every Monday to give a wrap of the week. But in terms of the lessons and videos, they're all now available for everyone. Leaderboard's available nexttoptrader.com.au to check out where you are um, and to keep an eye on uh, the prize, I guess. So, Tan, thanks for joining us. Good to have you on the show. Great performance. I think we can get you back on. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a pleasure. And Matt, thanks as always for your time. Cheers. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.